Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. It's Resurrection Sunday. I'm believing it's Resurrection Sunday for you. That's what I'm expecting for each and every one of us, that today we become resurrected. Now, you might be thinking, I'm not dead. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that our new life starts today. Now, you might be thinking, I've been saved for years. Now, we're going to look at it the correct way, the Bible way. And that is my new life starts today. Yesterday ain't here. It's gone. Yesterday is no longer. Tomorrow, it ain't here. Tomorrow's in the future. I'm not concerned about the future. I am concerned about today, so I'm going to make the right choices for my today. I'm going to make sure that I'm focused in on the correct things so that my day will be a good one. And it's going to be my choice. And that's what I want us to understand this morning is is that Jesus made a choice. And his choice was is why we are here today. His choice was, is he was going to take all our sin, the curse upon himself, sinless, perfection, chose to take what belongs to me and you upon himself. And that's what I want us to understand because Easter in my life, in my journey as a, as a follower of Jesus, I had two feelings. I had the first feeling of Easter, and that was, I was very offended. I was offended for Jesus. I was mad, and I hated the Jews. I was mad, and I hated the Romans. How could they do that to my Jesus? Anytime I, I, I heard a message on the crucifixion, I just, I just got mad, and how could they do that? How terrible. And as, as the preachers or the pastors would go in depth on, on the, the destruction of the body because of what they used, and they, they got into the whip and, and how it tore the flesh and, and, and quoted the scriptures where Jesus hung on a cross. By the way, he didn't have any clothes on. He was naked. But his body was so deformed because of what they did to him that he wasn't even recognizable as a human. Now think about that. Now, that's what I thought about. And I just was like, this is bad. This is terrible. How could they do this? But see, I didn't know the Bible. I didn't know the word of God. I just knew what I was feeling. And I listened to the preaching and the teaching and everything about Easter was something where I was so upset and so sad. And, and it just was a place where I'm like going, I just don't like Easter. It's frustrating. Now, you don't, you might not be that way, but I was that way for quite a while until the word of God came alive to me of the purpose of what happened. And that leads me to the second feeling. And the second feeling is joy, excitement, purpose, hope, and the greatest of all, love. Because I know what it's about. And when you talk about the crucifixion and the nailing and and the whipping and the ripping out of the beard and the crown of thorns in his skull, it doesn't bother me one bit. 
Now, was it painful? No doubt, no doubt. I mean, I stubbed my toe and I'm ready to quit. So yeah, he went through a lot. He went through a lot, but you know what? I have no feeling whatsoever in the area of poor Jesus. I'm not offended over it any longer because the word of God has come alive in me concerning that event. You see, we're celebrating Resurrection Sunday. We're celebrating Resurrection Sunday. The cross was the journey to the Resurrection Sunday. How the Romans, how the Jews produce that death is, is, is terrible. But the point is, is this is, Jesus never went through his ministry saying, and I'm going to go to the cross, and they're going to hurt me, and my, they're going to rip my skin off, and, and, and you guys better feel for me because it's not bad. I, uh, I don't deserve this. But I'll, I'll, I'll do it. He never went through this. You know what he continued to do? I'm going to die on the third day, rose again. I'm going to die on the third day, rose again. I'm going to die. You're going to tear this temple. I'm going to raise it up. I'm going to build it. Three days, I'm coming out. I'm coming back. He continued to say, in three days, I'm coming back. The, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the top of the top of the religious order. These are the, you know, the megas of, the, of, of that religion of that day. They didn't even know who he was. But they did remember three days he said he's coming back alive. And they had a plan, a plan to stop this. The problem is that plan to stop it was also something that produced even a greater testimony that this happened, this event happened. But I want to look at right away, I want to, I want to begin with the statements that Jesus made on the cross, because what I want to do is this. I want to reveal to you my Jesus. I want you to know him the way I do. I want you to understand him by his words on the cross, because that is probably one of the greatest revelations that I received as far as God's love for me. And what is taking place to Jesus is a demonstration. Everybody say demonstration. It's a demonstration of his love for me, for you. And when you know that, you go into this, this view of the cross, the death, the burial, and the resurrection in a whole different light, in a way where you start recognizing that I have a great, massive purpose in life. And the reason why is because of this proves it. This proves the importance of my life. This proves that I'm needed and I'm valued. This proves it. You see, I can't base my value on my past. That's why we have a weak church. And I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about we have a weak church at large. And for thousands of years, it's been, you know, it hasn't been strong in the sense of what we should be like the beginnings of this church. Read the gospel, I mean, read the New Testament, and you'll see a church that's powerful, and they went through hell. To say Jesus is Lord and to believe could mean your death. You know what that means today? You're going to lose a friend for lunch. Oh my gosh, I better not say anything. I better not let them know I go to church and we won't be able to, we, I, I won't go to Chipotle with them. No, I'm serious. This is, this is the mind frame of Christians. And I want to transform you from the Christian life to a follower of Jesus. To where you're not ashamed. 
People talk the weirdest, the goofiest, the craziest conversations today, and they're bold about it. And we're afraid to talk about real life. You know why you are, we are, or I used to be, or you might have used to be? is because we talked religion, we didn't talk life. That's the problem. See, we need to learn how to talk life in relationship to this scripture, the word of God. Because I guarantee you, you don't speak Christianese when you're following this. You don't do it. You don't talk, hallelujah, brother, praise the Lord. You don't go to lunch, hallelujah. You don't talk that way. No one talks that way. No one talked that way in the Bible. But see, we created this, this, this language that's so disturbing that we lose relevancy in our life today. I don't want to talk different. I'm going to talk who I am. You know, we have a Bible that says, Paul went around and he said, listen, I've become all things all men. Y'all want to talk slang? I'll go slang. Whatever, he's going, he's going to communicate on a way that says, I, I care, I hear, we're, we're, we're together on this. He never separated himself to a position of, this is who I really am. Who he really is is a salt and light of the earth, and he needs to make an impact and influence in someone's life. And that means I need to care what you're saying. I need to have feeling to what you're doing, and I need you to recognize that whatever you need, I'm here. And that's what the Bible teaches. And that's what I want us to know and understand. I don't want us to gather together and do a religious thing. I don't want us to gather together just to, to, to feel good that we accomplished this one Sunday that we come to church this year. Other than Mother's Day, excuse me, there's two. Mother's Day and Easter. The rest of them, too busy. Too busy. But what we need to understand is when we gather, why do we gather? We gather to grow together. We gather to be unified together. We gather to be able to get a place where we can gas up. Amen? To gas up for life. And this is what's so important. It, it's imperative to understand the purpose of the gathering. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you got a religious viewpoint of it, of course it sucks to come. Of course it's a waste of time. And that's not what we believe here. Nor do I want to be here for that purpose. And I haven't for years. And I'll never be that person. I'm going to give you the best today. And next time I show up and we're here together, I'm going to give you the best today. And that's what I believe in. I believe in today matters, and today is going to be your best life. Amen? Amen. So, happy Resurrection Sunday, y'all. Now, the crucifixion, Jesus is crucified between two thieves. Uh, you, you read that in the Greek, you know, you think, man, they're tough on thieves. These thieves were not, you know, they weren't like going to Safeway and robbing some donuts. All right? If you did that this morning, shame on you. The Holy Spirit just called you out. <laughs> but the thing is, is these guys in the Greek language, it's, a, it's, it's actually a thief that commits murder. So in other words, they rob and kill you. 
they rob and kill you. So these two guys are just not thieves that were caught. All right, do you understand that? So these guys deserved the crucifixion. The crucifixion is, is the worst way to deal with the worst people of society. You believe that? Jesus is in the middle of these two guys. Now, it was supposed to be Barabbas, which deserved to be there. That guy was an evil, evil murder killer, resurrectionist. But he got off track. He was off, he was off because of religion. Never forget that, because of religion. Because of religion. Remember, the Romans are trying to get Jesus off the hook. I don't see any problem with him. I don't, say, I don't see how he's guilty. But ultimately, religion won over it. But actually, God won. Because the whole purpose of Jesus going to the cross was for me and you. It wasn't going to be stopped. So why should I be sad? You see, everything I know about the cross now is a statement that says, man, you don't know how much I love you. I love you so much. And when I see Jesus going to that cross and when I see everything that's going on in his heart, in his life, I recognize, you know what? With great love, he loved me. And I want you to know that you know that you know that understanding of God's love for you. You see, if you don't know that, it's easy to quit. If you don't know that, it's easy to give up. It's easy not to get back up when you fall. Y'all are falling. Everybody falls. Everybody has trips in life. Everybody has screws up. Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes you're down on the ground for a long time. But see, the reason why most people stay down is because they don't know the love of God for them. But once you know that love, once you understand that love, you can get right back up. The enemy does not want you to know the love of God. He wants you to know that God hates you. He's mad at you. You keep hurting his feelings. You keep frustrating him. You are messed up, and he wants you to know how messed up you are. He loves to pay back. You did this, now I'm going to do this to you. Let me tell you what I just told you about. That's religion. And that's a religious instruction, religious teaching, and it has no bearing in Scripture. The Bible doesn't teach that stuff. So what we need to know is we need to know the true and living God who was represented in Jesus. See, people don't even, that that's, should be the basis of Christianity 101. To get the picture of the Father transformed and changed to the picture of Jesus. Because Jesus said, no, anything, everything I do, everything I say, every reaction I have is from the Father. I represent the Father. Thomas said, show us the Father, Jesus. Jesus said, he who sees me sees the Father. And I guarantee you, most Christians don't see God and Jesus the same. We see God as angry, judgment, payback. And, and if I said, how do you see Jesus? You would never see him in any of those lights, would you? Would you ever see Jesus that way? If I said, who would you rather hang out with, Jesus or God? Everybody would go, Jesus. Why? Because you have a wrong revelation of the Father. 
And I want you to have a right revelation. And the reason why is because I want you to be able to get up every time you fall. I want you to be able to continue to walk strong and powerful even though you're screw up. Yeah, I said screw up. Screw up means you do it more than once. That's what I want. I want us to understand the truth because you can't be set free until you do. It's impossible. And by the way, you can't change to the highest level of change until you understand this. You'll never experience the abundant life that Jesus came to give you until you know this. There's so much teaching instruction in scripture that we all need and we must have to be able to, to, be able to live the highest level of this, this, this life that Jesus said, I've come to give you. This is how we represent him right, by understanding the word, by knowing what the word teaches. Not by our opinion, not by our feeling, but what does the word say? And that's how you change because your attitude and your, your logical thinking starts breaking down to what does truth say? What does truth say? And that's how you change. That's how the transformation process takes place. But we need the instruction. It's like our encounters. When we have an encounter, you might think, what's an encounter? A counter is a place where you're going to encounter God in a different way. That's, that's all it is. And how do you encounter God differently? Instruction. And what our, our awesome teachers are going to do is they're going to reveal the cross in a way you've never seen it before. That shows you how important and valuable you are. And when that rises up with you, the first stage, the first steps from that point is, is I need to get on track. I need to get on track. But see, we don't do this to make you condemned or make you feel guilty. We do this so you can get the revelation of what God has done for you in Christ Jesus and for you to recognize it, realize it, and be able to, be able to go to him, release the stuff that's screwing you over, but to be able to walk out powerful, to walk out strong. Not as, oh, I released all the guilt and condemnation. I'm such a loser and thank you for, for allowing me. No, you, you walk out of a counter like going, yeah, I am all that. I am all that. I am all that. And that's what we want everyone to be able to experience. If you've never gone to one or you haven't been to one in a long time and you're like going, ah, I've been a little squeaky on my walk. I need some oil. Oil up, oil up, all right? Oil up. It's, 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 your, it's your time. It's your time to get empowered. Listen, we can't, we, we're not a weak church. We should not. This whole world should see a powerhouse right now. Oh, I've got some great teaching that's, that's tied to this understanding. It's almost like the churches were, were like, oh, well, we went through a pandemic and oh my gosh, and it just was so rough. Do you know the church is, is, is the most powerful when the government and the nation is at its worst? That's when we become the biggest and best. We become stronger. We're so concerned about pointing fingers and laws and regulations, and we're getting all scared. And right now we should be going, oh, it's our time. 
that world's getting worse, it means I'm going to get better. No, but we don't. We, we reel back and we get all, ooh, Mufasa, Mufasa. We get all scared. It's Lion King stuff. <laughs> the point, if you're new here, I do dumb things. It's just the way I am. I've never, I've, I've always been that way. So you could have seen me in the beginning of ministry this way, and many years later, I'm the same person. So what you see is what you get, all right? So he was crucified with two thieves. Oh, three people enjoy that, all right? <laughs> the rest of you are like going, dude, change, will you? So, so the picture is, is something that I want us to really take note of because, again, what he says, what he says is so important. The first statement Jesus does is, this is what's crazy, and this is how I look at it and go, why am I feeling sorry for him? Remember, I said that Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's not, get the picture that you see out there, out of your mind of Jesus on the cross. With that nice little robe around him, he's, you know, he's a little, he's a, a little skinny guy. But still, he looks cute up there. Now, you already seen the pictures. A bloody lump of flesh, bruised, banged up, just filthy looking, naked. We don't want to see that Jesus. We want, to, we want to clean it up, sanitize it. I'm saying don't. Why? Because this reality is reality I need to see. Because what Jesus is suing and what he says is crazy. But that craziness of who he is is what brings life to me. It kicks religion out of me. <clears throat> I, lived that a I lived that years ago. I got Bible college goofiness out of me. I mean, stuff that you think, man, if I just do this and I just go here and I just get this degree, it ain't going to do anything for you when it comes to this. This is life. This is for us people living out there, going to work, operating in a trade, whatever you're doing. This is what this word is for. It's what it's for. And I want you to be able to wake up Monday morning and be proud of who you believe in and who you are and how much he loves you. And you have a plan, a destiny for this day. And when you wake up Monday morning for that day, things change with that attitude. But again, we don't go with this mindset with the plan of how can we become more Christian? Can I put more bumper stickers on my car? Can I have three more crosses? Can I have a, can iPhone make a Christian one? This is ridiculous. It's wrong. It's wrong. God never wanted us to transform ourselves on the outside. Everything he does on the Bible should freak you out. Look at who he picks. David should not been picked king of Israel. He should not have been picked king of Israel. But what did God do? Nah, I found one has a heart I have. And you're looking at a skinny little small redheaded kid that can't even hit the demand of being a part of the rest of the family. The father, he doesn't even mention him as one of his sons. 
Not that he doesn't care about David. Not that he didn't have, have any love for him. It was like, he's insignificant. When the prophet came to, to ask Jesse, bring me all your sons. I'm going to get a king out of them. He doesn't even bring David. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's for all you last borns, you spoiled ones. See? You think you're all that. Look at the Bible. Insignificant. Insign no, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> but the point is, is that's the heart of God. So what happens on the cross? The first statement, which, which again, you're like going, I, I picture now the life of Jesus correctly. I'm not saying he's not up there with no pain. No way. Of course, there's pain. He's in a physical, natural body. He's got blood. He's got bruises. It's, it's just broken. I mean, just his body is just a nasty thing. By the time, I mean, by the way, this is Passover. This is a time where tens of thousands of people go to Jerusalem. They pick one of the heaviest traffic time to crucify him. It wasn't a holiday where no one's going to show up. Everybody's coming. And so Jesus is on that cross, and there's really tens, hundreds of thousands more people in the city. Now can you imagine what's going on? And what does he do? Outwardly, on the cross, where every breath hurts, the ability to talk is painful. And he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now, was he saying, Father, forgive them? They don't know what they're doing. They shouldn't be doing this. This is wrong. I'm innocent. No. He's saying exactly what I need to hear today, what you need to hear today. Because there's a lot of times in our lives we don't have a clue what we're doing. And we need that forgiveness because of we don't have a clue what we're doing. Anybody been dumb before? Okay, I'm glad a few more hands went up. Sometimes love life likes to leave me hanging and I'm only the stupid person in the church. Any stupid people in church? And I got my hand up and everybody's like, I'm not. I get because it's Easter. Everybody's like going, oh, it's Easter. <laughs> He's got his pink shirt on him. We know he, he doesn't wear pink very much, so here you go. How's that pinky? You like that? Isaiah 53, 12 says he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Jesus is praying on the cross to the Father. Father, forgive them. I don't know about you, but I'm, if I'm one of those soldiers, if, if I'm one of the crowd, I, I would be listening to this guy and going, no one talks that way. They're usually cursing, hating, begging. And this guy is saying, forgive them. That's a revelation, people. How bad are you? 
How messed up are you? I'm going to tell you right now, he's going to hang on the cross and look at you and say, forgive them, Father. Until you understand that, you won't know how to live this life the way God wants you to live. You will never know how. You're going to try to create a religion. You're going to try to create this picture of, I'll be good, I'll be good, I'll be good. Do you know you never, ever, ever, ever can be good enough? That's ignorance of Scripture because that's what the Old Testament is all about. They never, ever, ever could get good enough. Your abilities, your works cannot please God. It's impossible. They'd be thinking, why? Because your nature is the problem. Your nature. You have a fallen nature that has to be changed. And until it's changed, you can never change. This is a whole other teaching everybody needs to understand. The whole concept of nature. We focus in on fruit. We're, we major on fruit. We go to Bible college on fruit. And we live our Christian life on fruit. And the Bible is completely anti that. And he, they, it wants you to understand what produced the fruit. Nature. Nature. Change nature, change fruit. But we want to major on fruit. Change this. Fix that. Don't talk that way. Don't do your hair that way. Do not dress that way. Don't talk that way. Don't walk that way. Don't drive that way. Don't sell. Don't, 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 don't. And all we're doing is going fruit, 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 fruit. I remember I, 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 I wasn't a, I was born a Christian. I'll talk to people that have been, you know, they've quote have been believers since they're born. And then uh, well, I was born a Christian. I'm like going, well, you had to receive Jesus one day. No one's born a Christian. But the point is, is my life was not that type of life. So I got to view two types of Christians in my life. The one that made the impact was not the right, was not the wrong one. The wrong one was, is, is I have a lunch with him and his conversation with me is, is you don't get saved. You're going to burn in hell forever. That's his conversation with me. He thinks that's going to work with me. So he goes on to say, I'm evil. I'm no good. I'm rotten. I'm thinking, you're buying me lunch and trash talking me like that? And by the way, I could knock you out with one hit. I'm thinking this like, what are you doing? So he thinks that's the way that's going to change me. Now's the last time I ever had lunch with him. Christian number two. Christian number two doesn't ask me to lunch. He just lives this life in front of me that frustrates me. Because he's not religious. He doesn't judge. And we'd be all talking, you know, dirty joke and everything. And, and the guy, if he was there, and I'm talking about in, in a meeting, in a business meeting. And he'd sit there and smile and just, you know, not, not engage, but not look at us and go, <laughs> But you could tell it was, you could tell it wasn't something that he was going to partake with. And I kept looking at him and I'm waiting for him to laugh at it or do something, but he never would. 
And I'm thinking, this, is, this guy's different. Make a long story short, after very many different plans I had to mess him up. In other words, I'm trying to get him to sin. I'm doing everything I can to get him to be a bad person. And he just wouldn't fall for anything. One day, he does ask me to lunch. And I'm like going, why would you ask me to lunch? I don't even like you. I've done, I've done everything I can. I've, t I've stolen sales from you. I don't, and the only reason why I did it is not because I suck at sales. It's because I wanted him to get mad at me. And he blew it off. So I'm going, okay. He goes, we're going to go to my house. I got bologna. I went, oh, God. This ain't even a free lunch. I mean, this is free lunch, but... I go to his house, and I'm telling you, his, his heart and his understanding of where I was, the moment I was in his house, he said, it's time. It's time. I want you to know my Jesus. I dropped to my knees. I want to know your Jesus. I wanted, I, I'm telling you, it was, it's crazy how it took place. And some of you know the story, but, you know, a little time after get, getting my life going and going to church and, and having conversation, I said, hey, how did you really think? He goes, I hated every minute of it. I wanted to punch you. I got so mad sometimes. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I didn't even see that. So he is real. He wasn't a robot. Man, his wife would go, he came that close to cussing many times. I'm going, Chris, you didn't. Because I'm seeing him as like the second coming of Paul. I mean, that's how I looked at him. I'm thinking, this guy is something. And then, but you know what it did? It helped me. Because I thought, how am I going to be like him? But after hearing all that, I thought, oh, I can do that. I can do that. That's good. I can do that. So he said, Jesus says, Forgive them. Forgive them. The second saying is, is this is an amazing. I tell you the truth. I, I need you to really hear this. Because this, this statement right here that Jesus makes should clarify the doctrine that most churches, most Christians have wrong. You ought to understand something. The majority of the church leans toward legalism and salvation. It's a works mindset. And the reason why is because they don't have the clarity of the new creation. So what happens is, is they, they, have a, they have a doctrine that establishes, well, if you sin, you repent. Don't do it again. But if you do it again, you need to repent again. But if you do it more than that, you're going you're gonna to lose your salvation. Now, that contradicts the whole New Testament, but it's something that churches use. I used to do it when I didn't know the Scripture the way I do it now. And I've talked about it. I could get everybody up here on their knees crying to get saved, and you all were saved people. Oh, yeah, I could. I've, I've, had ten, I've had thousands and thousands of people in altar calls. I've, I've, I've 
preached throughout the world. Young people, old people. But it wasn't biblical. It was emotional. And it didn't produce change. It produced an emotional response to fear. And it was wrong. But see, my journey has never been my journey. And my heart's been always open to God. So ultimately, God leads me correctly. And I've been open. I've continued to be open to his direction in my life. That's who I follow. No matter how many times I say, I don't want to do it. I'm still going to do what he wants me to do. I can throw in my fits here and there, but I'm going to submit to him. That's my life. And so in that, this picture is something I want you to hear. Because you got two murderers with Jesus. Scripture says this, that both, now, now watch the process. It says that the Pharisees and the scribes, all the religious rulers were standing around. They're loving this. They love everything about what's happening. They're killing Jesus. And they're excited about it. So what they do is they start screaming out to Jesus on the cross. Hey, you son of God, come down. Come down. And if you come down, you call on your father and come down. We will believe in you. And so they're promoting this message, and everybody's standing around going, yeah, you, you know what you did? You help people, you heal people, you said, why can't you do it? So they're establishing this belief system that requires Jesus to act like they want him to act. He's not going to do that. He's only doing what the Father wants. The Bible's very clear. It pleased the Father to bruise the Son. That statement used to freak me out until I learned the scripture. And when I heard, I hear it now, it pumps me up. You might be thinking, how could that pump you up? Because the pleasing of the Father is about me. The pleasing of the Father is about you. Jesus was bruised, went to the cross because of God's great love in which he loved you. Christ died for us. That's his great love. Bible makes it very clear. He first loved us. Not a, I love you, Jesus, now love me back. No, at our worst. Ever say at my worst. Turn your neighbor and say at your worst. Turn the one you really want to say it to and say it to them. <laughs> we all be in plight this morning. The one person it's, Smiley at your worst. The other person is at your worst. You even you make contact. Jesus on the cross. The religious are stirring people up, and they stir two guys that are hanging on a cross. They're being crucified, and they both hear those guys saying that, and it makes sense, does it not? Doesn't it not make sense? He heals the sick, raises the dead. He's on the cross. Doesn't it not make sense that he can call on the Father, jump down, get off, show us, man, we'll all follow you. It makes sense, doesn't it? But see, it's not about that. It's about what he's doing. It's about him on the cross. That is the answer. 
And so the guys, both of them go, yeah, Jesus, go get off the cross. Save us all. Get off. Both of them say that. Both of them say that. All right? Then the scripture shows us that it continues on. See, Jesus was on the cross for six hours. All right? Six hours. During this time, this is going on. And we have one thief, one murderer that's up there. And he's, he's contemplating what's going on. Because he isn't hearing what he's, what he's used to hearing. Comebacks, fighting, retribution. I'm going to get back at you. You said that to me, I'm going to say it to you. He's not seeing that. He's not hearing that. He's seeing Jesus on the cross stating this, Father, forgive them. How do you do that? He gets like, listen, what we do. You get around the wrong people. You start laughing at things you wouldn't laugh at. You start talking things you wouldn't talk about, but you now, now because you're around the wrong people. You're not strong. I said you're not strong. We teach the new identity in Christ. How to understand who you are. Not your old ways, your old past, or old identity, your new creation. What the Bible teaches. When you receive Jesus, you're a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Because we don't renew our mind, Romans 12, 2. We stay old. We stay influenced by our past. We continue to operate in logical thinking. What God says in his word, cast down logismos, logical thinking. But we, we hold on to these things because we don't know who we are. We teach who you are. And what that does, it builds your self-image. It builds your understanding tied to scripture. That's why when you hear the words, I can do all things through Christ. And most religious, most Christians go, ha, you're that, you can do all things. Why don't you do that? Real stupid talk. But see, when you know who you are, and when you hear that words, all of a sudden you're like going, no, if I want to, I can. Because you're not operating on a, on a freaky super spiritualism. You're operating on a, on a grounded, founded belief of God's word. That means, yeah, if, if it needs to be done, it's tied to your destiny. It's tied to, to empowerment of you becoming stronger light, stronger salt. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. All things. You are more than a conqueror. You are victorious. But see, these words don't land on religious ears. We'd rather make fun of those people that make those statements. We'd rather break them down, judge them. They're talking about Christians. But the Bible is speaking to you, everybody, the same way. You don't have a different word Bible than I do. You might have a different translation, but these words are the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's just you have to interpret them correctly. The Bible is in harmony. It's not cut up and broken and all scattered. It's harmony. It's perfect. When you bring in religious doctrine, when you believe in religious belief system, that's when it gets all broken and, and messed up. That's when, you know, God, you know, God sometimes will give you sickness. God will give you disease. Crazy doctrines like that. But the scripture doesn't line up with that because Jesus is going on healing everybody. 
over and over and over. Did he not say, I only do what the Father says I do? Only. But we create, I mean, literally, Christian churches by the thousands create doctrines and say, no, God's going to. But on the other hand, that pastor that's teaching you this doctrine, if you get sick or he gets sick, y'all run to the doctor. Wait, I thought it was God's will. You're breaking God's will by trying to get healed. But see, they won't listen to that. They won't hear truth. They just rather pervert the scripture. That ain't the way to roll. You don't want to live your life that way. You want to live your life based on truth. Jesus on the cross, and all of a sudden, the second one, he's seeing this, and he's hearing this, and he's experiencing this, and he's like going, I mean, I'm a murderer. He's a murderer. The guy in between us, this guy's innocent. He isn't even like us. I, I live, y'all know when you, you, you're nasty, you hang around nasty, right? Oh, don't look that way at me. You guys have been Christians. I, I've been a Christian my whole life. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. You get around nasty, you know how nasty lives, how nasty talks, how nasty acts. Do you not? This guy, that's his whole life, right? It's his whole life. So what do we have? We have Jesus on the cross, and religion hates to hear this stuff. The guy on the cross goes, Jesus, forgive me. Please remember me when you go to your kingdom. And Jesus looks to him and says, well, have you prayed today? Have you read your Bible today? Have you been faithful to church? Have you been going to the Bible meeting? Have you missed church? Do you come on Wednesday nights too? Have you, do you have a Bible degree? See, everything that I'm saying is everything that religion will judge you on. Did you get water baptized? In Jesus' name only. In Father, Son, Holy Spirit. How did you get water baptized? Do you speak in tongues? Do you operate in faith? Have you raised the dead? Do you like cats? <laughs> but do you see what I'm saying? In other words, where's all the rules and regulations to a guy that's a murderer? And he was earlier saying, why, yeah, Jesus, go down. He, they were insulting him. But he recognized, after hearing the other guy continue on, he pulled away and realized, you know what? I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. But I believe he's innocent. Man, because his buddy says what? He continues to attack him. And that cross, the second guy on the cross looks over at his buddy. Can you imagine what's going on? He said, how dare you? We deserve this. 
We deserve what's going on. This guy's innocent. Jesus turns him and says, today. Everybody say today. Say it again. You are going to be with me in paradise. My gosh. No rules, no regulations, no, um, let me hear you say, confess me with my mouth. Let me, will you, am I your Lord and Savior? Will you follow me? He didn't do anything, but when he turned and said, remember me, Jesus said, done. <laughs> Is that awesome? See, this, this Jesus you need to get to know. You need to know him, amen? You need to know him. The third thing is Jesus looks down, sees his mom. John's there. Other, other disciples and other women that have been connected with the ministry of Jesus and everything, they're, they're out there in the crowd. They're not right up front. People want to make, you know, they want everybody looking up there and all the disciples are going, yes, Jesus. They're all freaking out. I'm going to tell you right now, None of them have an answer. None of them. None of them are sitting there going, it's all good. Three days, he's back up. None of them. No one. No one. They're hopeless. They're broken and they're hurt. And don't you ever forget that. They all scattered and they all started trickling back in the back of the crowd. Not up front. They're scared. Are you guys listening? Jesus calls out to his mother. And John's standing next to her. He says, behold, there's your son. John, there's your mom. He is so concerned about his mom. Can you imagine that? See, that's the area of Jesus we need to never forget. Never. You see, it, it's, we think, oh, it's God supernatural on the cross. It's Jesus on the cross. That was 100% walking on this life with the ability to sin. God can't sin. Do you understand that? God can't sin, but Jesus can sin. If he made the choice, he would sin. If that was his choice and he chose to sin, but see, God can't. God can't indwell with sin. Do you hear me? And Jesus stayed, stayed faithful to the call upon his life. Remember, he put his God part and came down to this earth, was born from a virgin, lived a life as a, as a, as a human, cried, probably, you know, scraped his knees and ran to mom, ran to his dad, had to go through the death of his natural father, not his stepdad, but had to go through that time of being raised by Joseph, learn how to become a carpenter, Learn the trade. And I'm sure you have to be close when you're learning carpentry. 
And I'm sure the passing of Joseph wasn't, it wasn't simple. And he saw the family sad and broken because of it. Oh, he cares. He cares. And that's why on the cross, he's going to accomplish his task at hand. He's going to be risen in three days' time. But his heart is looking at his mom and saying, I need to comfort her heart. And so he speaks out and says those words. That's powerful. Now, that's something you need to pay attention to because this is what Jesus is about. Caring about your circumstance. He's on the cross. Pain. Broken. Being ridiculed. Hated. Cursed at. And he looks out. And he cares about what's going on in her life. Don't tell me Jesus doesn't care about you. The fourth thing, one of the most powerful statements and revelations that anybody can have. Everything about Jesus to this point was the Father. The Father. Darkness comes on the scene for three hours. It's, it's, it's pitch black. It's dark. Jesus isn't talking at all quiet. People are probably freaking out right now. It, it's, it's not an eclipse. You ever had a three-hour eclipse? Don't they have a, didn't we have an eclipse? Didn't, wasn't there one happening right now? You guys don't watch the news? What's going on? No, there's like a major eclipse, right? A solar one. Which area? It's U.S., I think, too. Part of, anyway, you weirdos. Wow. Man. I'm done with news. All right. All right. That's fine. That's okay. Okay. The point is, is but I'm not done with Facebook. All right. Moving around. <laughs> but, but the thing is, is, is for three hours, it's this way. Now, something powerful, very powerful happens. And Jesus says this. Everything since he's beginning in a young age, he said, I must be about my father's business. Everything's the father, the father, the father. This is the first statement that he makes with his life that you'll hear that you didn't hear before, and that is, my God, my God, not father. There's been a relationship change. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? On the cross. That only means one thing. That change in relationship is because of one thing. At that point of time, all the sin of the world, present during Jesus, future and past, all of it, every action, every problem, every process, nature, all went upon the Lord Jesus. The curse that was connected to the fall, all went upon Jesus. And at that moment, at the moment it all came upon him, 
Forsaken in the Greek language literally means that Jesus is right here. The Father is with him. And at the moment of sin, the Father moves from the Son. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Never been, never been disconnected. And God turns and back walks away. And that Jesus experienced that at that point. My God, my God, why have you forsaken? His words, his words, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. His words in Hebrews 3.15. I will never, no, not never forsake you. I will never, no, not never leave you. Everything about the Father, everything about the Son is we will not leave you. And all of a sudden he's experiencing the Father leave. Can you imagine what's going on? See, now I look at that and I go, wow. All for me. The Father leaving the sons for me. It's for you. I'm going to cheapen this by, by not living this life right. I'm not talking about morally. I'm talking about right. What does the word teach me about my life? That's living it right. What does the word of God say about who I am? What does the word of God say about my new creation? What does the word of God say about my destiny, my purpose? What does the word of God say? And all of a sudden I realize when he says, my God, my God, all of a sudden I'm looking at my life and going, my God, my God. What you placed upon Jesus is no longer on me. And if it didn't go on him, it'd still be on me. And there's no hope, and why are we here? But it did. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The, the six is, it's finished. It's all done. This right here is actually a, a, a it's a business term. Transactions complete. There's nothing else needed. It's done. It's a finished deal. If you look at the script, Acts 20, 28, he purchased us with his own blood. When you read the term redeemed, redemption, those words are all connected to a slave being set free. We've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. That redemption is a payment for a slave. You need to understand that because before Jesus, that's what you are. You think, I got my will, I can do whatever I want. Yeah, you can. True. Well, then I'm no slave. Now, believe what you want to believe. The point is, is your nature keeps you in slavery. We're talking about eternity. You live in this life. No, Y'all know it is not a long period of time. Life on this earth isn't long. And if you aren't healthy, it's even shorter. Right? Eternity's forever. Forever. And that's what this is about. So you can believe and stay deceived by thinking, you don't need this. That you do whatever you want. That's the problem. See, it's a nature issue. And once you can change the nature, the rest of stuff can opportunity change. 
I said opportunity. Everything about you is tied to here. Everything. You don't change this, you ain't changing nothing. That's why the Bible says, call the name of the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved, you'll be transformed, you have a new creation. But you're going to be the same exact person until you change the thoughts, change the spirit of the mind. That's the only way you're going to change. Only way. But I just received Jesus. Good for you. You want change now? Learn. Learn this stuff. Be bold. Be strong. Be in the position of empowerment. Religion cannot give you that. Churchy cannot give you that. Christianese cannot give you that. This being given to you, the way the Bible wrote it, will empower you. I'm telling you, you, you got a, a, a drive, a dream to be the best this or the best that. This will help you become the best of the best. Best parent, best father, best mother, best, best worker, best boss, best of the best by this word. Don't be afraid of it. Run from a religion. Don't run from truth. Y'all got that? Number seven, Father, in your hands I commend my spirit. Turns the father now. Sins on him. Now he's like going, I accomplished the task. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. We're done. Jesus accomplished everything that he was on this earth for. What are we going to do about it? I say it's time to be resurrected. Amen. It's time to live this life large. Time to recognize that if your walk has been all, you know, nasty and, and just stale, you've even, you know, denied Christ, not in the way of denied Jesus, but just the way you live your life. It's like you don't, you, you don't even have a connection to this truth. Then it's time to fix it. Time to fix it. No big deal. Fix it. There is an enemy. He is a liar. And he'll lie you straight to living a life of hell on earth. He'll lie you that way. But you need to recognize it's time to get off those lies and start living truth. Today matters, people. I don't care what yesterday took place. I care about right now. Make the right choice. Let's get fixed and let's move forward but let's continue this forward life, a living large in truth. Because right now you need to understand one fact and that is truth sets free, but it's gotta be truth. Because when it comes to Jesus, he made it crystal clear. I am the truth, the way, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the word. He is the truth. We need to live it and experience the greatest freedom on planet Earth. And that's when you start living big. Amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.